Welcome to the IAOM podcast, First Break Stories from the Roll Floor. I'm your host, Simon Tietke. Today's guest is Gary Pickleman. Oh boy, I'm excited. Gary's not just a milling industry legend and a miller for over 47 years, but a personal friend and mentor of mine since I dove into the North American milling industry about 10 years ago. With his huge passion for milling and people, he held numerous titles within the IAOM and has some interesting stories to tell. But first, a word from our sponsors. Bühler Insights is the digital service available from Bühler. It provides unprecedented levels of transparency for your process by capturing data from the machines in your plant and then visualizing that data in a digestible format for you to make more informed decisions about your production process. It works on a single machine, an entire plant or across a multi-site organization. Bühler Insights is a powerful, customizable and highly secure digital solution that increases productivity, it could be increased yield, reduced plant downtime, machine, line or plant performance analysis and comparison or reducing your energy usage. Whatever your top priority is, Bühler Insights has you covered today and into the future. Contact your local Bühler office to find out more or just search for it online today. GEA Golfetto Sankari consider milling raw materials such as maize, wheat and cereals as a promise. A promise to all their customers to promote environmental sustainability and make the most of the resources offered by our planet. That's why GEA Golfetto Sankari's milling technology is developed with the aim of protecting raw materials in the most effective way by reducing internal friction, optimizing the layout and maximizing the energy savings. Discover how GEA Golfetto Sangari develops and builds milling plants of any size and any capacity on GEA.com. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing? Good morning, Simon. I'm doing fine. How are you? Not bad. Maybe I should say Guten Morgen. Yeah, Guten Morgen. Yeah, Alles get good with me. <laughs> yeah, we could talk probably the whole <laughs> podcast in German and nobody would understand us. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be yeah. quite funny. We should do that one day. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we um, we introduced Der uh, Gary Craig here in in the podcast intro. But um, Gary, why don't you introduce yourself quick and you know maybe tell us a little bit of who you are, who you worked for, and you know what what you what did you do for the IOM? Okay, I'm Gary Pickleman. I live in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Born and raised here on a dairy farm. Uh, after high school, went to Michigan State and got a degree in ag engineering. Worked for about a year and a half for Oscar Meyer and then started at Star the West Milling Company in Frankenmuth in 1973. Uh, worked for them till June 5th of this year. So I worked for Star the West for 47 years, which is two thirds of my life. So. <laughs> It's more than my life so far, that's for sure. <laughs> A good, good long career and a good company to work for, and uh, <clears throat> we. I as I grew into the industry, I started working at Star of the West, sweeping floors, bagging flour, slowly learning the flour mill in Frankenmuth. And when I started that working in that mill there, I think we made sixty hundred weights an hour. <laughs> so, so it took us eight hours to make a truckload of bulk flour. Wow! And, and did you <clears throat> did you do a um bulk flour at all when you started or was it mainly bags it was both bulk and bag yeah and uh now i think we do about 19,100 weights a day star of the west i think It's so a little different huh? really growing in those 47 years yeah. so 
So when you made sixty hundred words an hour, you know, obviously that's for modern bakeries. That's you know they go through that in in no time. So right. who did you deliver back then to? Was it like more local bakeries around Frankenmuth or? No, it was it was. I think we took loads to Chicago as well and wow. places like that, and Detroit, uh, bigger some of the bigger cities. But those are probably the two main cities we took bag flour. To. But the the bag or the bulk flour, the bag flour, probably went more into local distribution than it did farther away. Man, that's yeah. That reminds me on a you know on where I grew up, obviously in Germany, and and there was a lot lot of those mills that did smaller capacities yeah. and most of it just ran ran around the corner to the bakery you know they took 50 <laughs> right, bags here right. 20 bags there and it was it was interesting <clears throat> but um start star of the west so that's a really old company isn't it for for united states star, company. yeah star of the west star of the west has been around since 1870 it was founded in 1870 so this year is our 150th anniversary of the company um started in frankenmuth as a small flour mill down on the river it was water powered And there was a second location where the mill was built. The first one burned down. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those exist anymore. Now the mill that's up on up at top of the hill is the mill that was built in 1910. It's a brick structure with wooden columns and beams in there. We've remodeled that, I don't know, probably six or eight times <laughs> since I worked there. It started in 73, 74, doing remodeling in there and putting in new sifters and Uh, the, the latest project we're looking at doing that uh, we're going to finish up here, hopefully maybe not this year, but next year is replacing all the roll stands with new roll stands on the roll floor and putting in all new sifters. And uh, the cleaning house has been up. We've got two cleaning houses in the mill that's been upgraded a number of times. But Star of the West really grew in 1980. We bought the mill in Quincy, Michigan. And that's about the time I became... Before that, I was already head miller or superintendent in the mill in Frankenmuth, and then I became corporate milling superintendent. Did made primarily project work for all the flour mills. So we bought Quincy in 1980, then we bought the mill in Ligonier, Indiana in 1987. We bought the flour mill in Kent, Ohio in 1999, and the flour mill in Churchill, New York in 2000. We've done extensive remodeling projects there at those facilities. Oh. The Kent, Kent mill got to the point where it was... Uh, Needed a lot of work done on it. We started doing about a lot of remodeling on it and gave it some reconsideration. I think Simon was involved in some of that planning as well. Yeah. But we gave it some reconsideration and decided to build a new flour mill in Willard, Ohio. Right yeah, that was that was quite country. the project. Yeah. So we built a 10,000 weight mill there. That's just I think we started construction in September of 2014 and started producing flour there in July of 2016. So that was a highlight of my milling career was doing that greenfield project and being in charge of the whole project was a lot of fun a lot of headaches <laughs> <laughs> yeah it always is <laughs> yeah but looking back on it it's more fun than headaches but while, while you add it it's it might be a little different yeah yeah yeah, yeah we right now so that's easy easy to get flour to the customer we have an eight inch conveying line we blow the flour right next door to the customer it's about a 600 foot blow line wow that's a long blow line <laughs> Yeah. yeah, my my involvement with uh, Star of the West has been great. I've had a lot of good people to work with, and it's encouraging to for me and satisfying to me to see uh, pass on information to people and help people learn and help them with projects and do a 
project with teamwork. The only thing, the only way that works is with a lot of teamwork doing stuff together, not only with our own people, but with the likes of Bueller or Kais or whoever the yeah. uh, equipment suppliers are, are helping us with that. Um, those are just two great Westerners, another big customer that we've done a lot of work with before. So uh, a lot of great cooperation from everybody. And in this 47 year career, made a lot of good friends in the industry, not only millers, but people that are in the allied trades, which is part of the IAOM as well. That's uh, really satisfying when you go to the district meetings and the international conference. I think I went to my first international conference in 1984 really? in Minneapolis. Huh, missed, huh? missed a couple the last couple of years, missed the Atlanta yeah. conference and, and missed the one out and uh, don't remember where the other one was that I missed. Yeah. But, well, we missed you, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's when I came over here, I didn't realize how big of a deal the IAM is and how small this—not really small, but how um how this industry is like a family, right? Like how how I if I have questions, I you know call you, I call you know friends out of the industry I know for a long time, and you know, and it's not nothing customer related, but if I just have million questions and and everybody gives you answers, even if you a competitor, everybody. Right? Yeah, everybody. It's just everybody's really willing. Everybody's really willing to share, and in some cases, we've exchanged spare parts with some of our competitors, and they've given us spare parts if we were in a jam, or we gave them spare parts to get them going again. It's just a really friendly organization. Uh, Like you said, you share with them what you can. There's things that you can't share because it's company important to the company that you keep that private. So yeah, absolutely, uh, it's a great, great, great organization. I. That's where a lot of a lot of very good friends are there. Probably some of my best friends in the in my whole lifetime are AIAOM members. And yeah, I agree. Some, some that have passed on already or have retired a long time ago, and still fun to see them and talk to them and call them and visit if they're still alive. And have a great great uh, relationship with lots of people. Yeah. Well, talking talking about the IOM, you you held a bunch of titles during the years too, didn't you? You did you did quite a bit yeah, of volunteering was, and work hard work for the IOM. Yeah, I was uh, district. We're part of the Wolverine district. That's a district we belong to. But I was vice chairman in there for three years, from eighty eighty three through eighty six. I was chairman for three years, and then district chairman for three years, from eighty six to eighty nine. And then on the board of directors for the Wolverine district in from uh, 89 to 92. And then vice president of the organization, he asked me to run for, uh, for that. And I was vice president of IAOM in 92 and 93, uh, president of the organization in 93 and 94, and on the board of directors from 94 and 95. Oh my that speaks well to the company, our company as well. Star of the West is very, willing to let their people be involved in their industry organizations as well as uh, any organizations that are in your hometown, whether it's any any kind of uh, group like Lions or mm-hmm. different groups like that. So Rotary, different. So we've been very involved in the lo- at the local level too with different things in the community and church organiz- church uh, functions and church. And I've been greeters at church for many years and been an usher for many many years to a church so i think and i think you bringing up a really good point there right it's it it's very important for companies to to support that kind of involvement because if if you don't you know you you 
cutting the opportunities short of all your employees, not just the employees, I think, that, that um, attend the IOM or that, that volunteer within the IOM, but, you know, all the knowledge that can be shared on yes. so many different outlets of the IOM, but if it's, it's not just the international show or the district meetings, but maybe even the podcast we're talking about. I hope somebody's going to learn something from you today. But <laughs> but also, yeah. you know, the website and everything, and if you just don't know about it, you you wouldn't have all that access. And then obviously, you know, the training courses and things like that. But but I agree with you. The, the com companies really need to need to be open to that and need to be stepping up. And we yes. are very fortunate that, that a lot of companies are. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah, very, very important. And we have our people involved and get all the training they can and share with them anything we can. And that's not only through IAOM, but all the other organizations that you can be a part of to participate in and to grow in. And it's great to see a great deal of satisfaction when you see somebody, you, you, you teach somebody something and they get it. It's really cool to see yeah, that when they get it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. And I mean, you know, over the years, I, I learned a lot from you and especially from you and red i think you guys been my been my um teacher throughout the last 10 years i've been i've been in the united states especially understanding american Thanks. milling and coming over from you know from a little different milling industry but you know seeing you guys' openness to things is just that's that's just what makes the difference right so thank you thank you that's what it's all about exactly well so we talked a little about your milling life a little about you know star of the west and you know how you how you came through as the milling superintendent and you know but tell me a little bit about your your day-to-day -day life when you went through the mills like what what made you feel or what still makes you feel inspired and and how does it relate to the milling job and what are some important things you you can share some facts you know with with some of the milling students i hope listening to their podcast just to make their life a little bit easier maybe when their first step right. foot into the flower mill yeah well when you when you go to a mill i've i've been had the luxury of luxury or the, the ability to go and visit lots of our flour mills or work in our flour mills and work on projects and working on those projects and having people see the finished product or helping them get to that finished product is very 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 rewarding and going through the mill with them and looking at their I think the, the important areas that I feel are really important to look at in a flour mill are the cleaning house, number one, to make sure you're getting a good product coming to the first break. Because as our old uh, president and chairman of the board, Dick Kraft, used to say, his favorite saying was, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. <laughs> and, I need to write that down. <laughs> that's, that's very true. You got to send a good product at first break if you're going to get good flour coming out the other end. And then in the flour mill itself, the two key areas that I see are the grinding, the, your roll stands have to be working properly and have, have good corrugations and good good rolls in your roll stands. And your sifters obviously are the other, those are the two workhorses, the grinding and sifting. And if those aren't going working properly, you're not gonna get a good product coming out. And that's very helpful to pass that information on to the young guys that are learning the, the, the job because becoming a miller is not an overnight learning experience that takes that's a, lifetime. a year and a half, two years. It's a lifetime of learning, yeah. but to feel that you can turn a guy loose or, or a gal loose to run the mill on a shift, that takes a little time. Yeah, A lot of tender, loving care from people that are teaching them and helping them learn their job. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure you went through a lot of, a lot of new millers that you could turn loose eventually. So you got some experience yeah. in that. 
But I agree with you. It's sometimes, you know, it depends on the person too. Sometimes they pick it up really quick. Sometimes they don't. And, and you know, yep. there's definitely special ways of, of teaching and, and, you know, exposing them more. So, you know, just if it's training classes or anything like that. So did you, did you, um, did you have people go through a lot of IOM trainings or K-State training, something like that? We've had uh, quite a, a lot of our uh, millers have done the correspondence course through the IAOM. Uh, we've had people go to K-State for training classes. We've done the Megatronic class now through Cowley College for a uh, couple of guys, and it's been re very rewarding for them as well. Uh, before we send anybody out to training, typically what we do is we have them take the correspondence course yep. first and get that under their belt. So they've got to basic knowledge of what's going on and so obviously some experience in the mill already so very very good uh, teaching tools and learning tools and if they can get out to k-state as well to do some training out there that's very rewarding too yeah it's good to see a different mill right and in, in a setting where you don't have the production pressure at all times so right. i feel like right. that, that pays off quite a bit because you just can't realistically hire every single one of your millers from k-state you know, right. mainly because there's just not enough there, right? And and right, and right. we hope it's going to get more and more. But but you just need to be able to do some really really efficient training internally. And I think those tools are to, those tools help yes. a lot. Take yes, a little bit work off. Take a little bit work off of the teacher too, so that you you know of of the yeah. mill superintendent, yeah. so they don't have to do all of it. Yeah. From above and beyond service to incredible flower performance in your facility, Miller Milling Company goes the extra mile at every mill. Miller's team's dedication and attention to details helps them learn your business so they can work seamlessly as a part of your crew. Whether you need existing products or customized solutions, you can count on Miller to deliver exactly what you need. Miller Milling also works to make sure every link in your supply chain is secure so you get a reliable product on time, every time. And if something ever happens to go wrong, they always make it right. Because here, flour is more than a processed grain. It's a partnership. Welcome to Milling Made Easy. For over 40 years, Lawrence Conveying Products has been North America's single source manufacturer for all things tri-bulk. Lawrence offers a wide range of pneumatic conveying product solutions, including diverter valves, slide gates, couplings, elbows, and more. Customization is their specialty. Family-owned since 1979, Lawrence understands the importance of quality service and flexibility. Clients aren't just clients, but rather extended members of the family. Save purchasing dollars by contacting Lawrence, your one-stop shop. Over the history of your milling life, I'm pretty sure there's, there's a couple of fun anecdotes you can share with us. I always like, you know, especially from, you know, living milling, le milling legends like you, I, would, I always like to hear some of those. I don't know if you have anything to share. I have a couple ideas I'll throw at you. There you uh, go. I knew you in would. In Ligonier, when we were doing a remodeling project down there the one time, uh, uh, we split the shifts up in 12-hour shifts. And I ran the day shift, and our superintendent at the Ligonier Mill ran the night shift. And the superintendent of the specialty industries that was uh, doing a lot of the workforce installing, tearing out installing equipment, their superintendent and I, we got the bright idea, let's pull a, let's pull a prank on Bill. So what we did was we ran a lift pipe, a horizontal lift pipe through the spokes or the pulleys of the line shaft in the basement. And 
we weren't anywhere close to being ready to start up. But then when we came in, <laughs> when he came in at night, and we always spent extra time together to review what we had all done and so on and so forth. And we stood down there by that lift pipe for probably 10 minutes talking. And finally, when he saw it, he said some expletives that I can't repeat. But he <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, I like that you did I mean, it a safe yeah. way too. You know, you weren't ready to start. And you, <laughs> but man, I, I want to see that face. <laughs> <laughs> but don't push the start button. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. At the yeah. Calgary conference, when the Calgary IOM conference was... Uh, I was, uh, I think I was, can't remember if I was vice chairman or chair, vice president or president at the time, but they had, we, they took us out of a rodeo up at Calgary and there was these cowboys with their long slickers and their shotguns standing on the hill and their big cowboy hats on. And if you want a beer, you had to go to the beer booth to get beer. So I went and got three cups of beer and was bringing them back to myself and my friends to drink and my wife. And as I got past this guy, He squeezed off a shot on that shotgun. The beard damn near flew up in the air all over the place. And then he says to me, are you Pickleman? I said, yeah. He says, we're coming to get you shortly. <laughs> so they, they put a noose around my neck and they were going to hang me. I thought, oh, no. I reached in my pocket and I got my uh, my Swiss knife, Swiss army knife out. And he said, you better put that away so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> So it was probably a Bühler Swiss Army knife, I take it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got one of those too. <laughs> I think most of us do. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty hilarious. So they're, they're, obviously, the IOM at this point played a prank on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, just... I think we can talk for hours and hours about your history in milling, man. This is just It's just impressive. And I just... Just for the IOM, I just want to say thank you too for all the things you you've done over the years i think you know just just listening to you and what organizations beside the iom you're volunteering at it just speaks for your character and you know and definitely for for how well of a teacher and a mentor you are and and you know and unfortunately for us you retired now fortunately for you <laughs> you retired now so what do you do with your life yeah. after after the milling life gary It's it's trying to get used to not having to get up at five five thirty in the morning to get to work on time, but uh, do a lot. Of, I got a lot of projects at home. I, like I said, I worked for forty seven years for Star of the West, so now I need forty seven years to catch up with all the stuff I let go at home yeah. for so long. But I'm <laughs> yard work. I mean, the yard work, even the lawn mowing. I got about a three acre meadow I mow about every three weeks, and we got a big garden. And we, in the same time, that basically right after we did the mill project in Willard we did a big remodeling project on our house we tore down the old part of the house and built a new section on there so right now we're getting ready to do the landscaping for that so awesome. that's a landscaping and a deck and a patio so gotta try and get that finished on the outside so we got a place to sit out and relax in these beautiful days that we've been having lately so so it doesn't sound like you get too relaxing anytime soon it sounds like you get yourself enough work <laughs> cut out to you know <laughs> just to be able to relax Yeah, I don't know if I'll live long enough to get everything done I want to get done, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> I have the feeling you're one of those people that are never done. Right. <laughs> I have that strong feeling, but that's good. You know, it keeps you busy. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. For sure. Yeah. And then um, just, you know, I usually like to ask people a little bit about a fun fact, you know, that we might not know about you. I don't know if you have anything. If not, I have a fun fact people might not know about you. Yeah. 
Well, one thing I wanted to share was uh, actually uh, night before last or then day before was 175th anniversary of the founding of Frankenmuth and our St. Lawrence Lutheran Church here in Frankenmuth. And my great-great-grandparents were two of the 15 original settlers that came here to Frankenmuth and founded Frankenmuth and found from Germany in 1845 and founded Frankenmuth, the city or the village, and also the St. Lawrence Lutheran Church. So I think that's kind of a, they came as missionaries to the Indians, the Chippewa Indians here in mid-Michigan. And uh, I'm sure things looked a lot different around here when they came here, but that's a, that's a, uh, something that probably most people don't know about me, but uh, yeah, I was it's really, really, really great experience or really rewarding to know that I'm yeah. one of the, uh, uh, one of our original settlers were my great, great grandparents. Yeah. I was, I was going to go down that road that, you know, going to tell people that you speak fluent German and you, I don't know how I phrased that when, when I met you once, but I think you speak a German that sounded very close to what my grandparents speak. So it's a very, very right. old, old style German that's been perfectly preserved in the city of Frankenmuth, Michigan. And whoever hasn't been to the city of Frankenmuth, Michigan, it's absolutely right. worth the visit. I mean, this place just looks like Germany. Not just that, the beer tastes like it's from Germany and the food tastes <laughs> like it's from Germany. So it kind of makes, it's kind of a second home for me every time I come there. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty nice That's town. Good. You got to come back sometime soon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we we got to have a beer and probably for the Oktoberfest again. Some beer and some sausage. Exactly. I feel like I, <laughs> I lost some of my memory from last Oktoberfest I was there, but it was definitely worth it. Gotta refresh that memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, had nothing to do with the leader beers we drink. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, good. Hey, Gary, um, I have a closing question for you. And, you know, I like to ask that question. I see, you know, just it helps the IAM and everybody out there. What do you think, How what's the what's a good way to promote the job of milling grains to today's youth? And how can we add diversity, you know, to the whole job? Um, I think what we need to do is try to inspire our people that it's very important to do a good job and do a great job of what you're doing every day. Take pride in what you're doing. Um, I think the younger people to try and get them involved in the milling world, uh, related to them that there's a lot of compared to when I started, there's a lot of automation in place now where they're used to that kind of stuff. And it's a lot easier to run a mill. Now I think with that automation, try and get them involved with that part of it, that, uh, and keep them interested and show them ways that they can help the company grow and help improve things and look for their ideas look for anything they can do to help us to help improve their, their work life and everybody's work life in their organization. I think that's, and just keep training people and encouraging them and keep, keep working hard. I agree. I totally agree with you. I like the part you brought up about automation and technology because that's personally what keeps me very excited every day and that sure. you can literally run a flow mill off of your cell phone nowadays. And that's most right. of the time you spend on anyways. So I think that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you for your time and thank you for your involvement and everything. And I think this is a wonderful podcast episode we're going we're gonna to have here. And um, let's keep in touch. Let's keep doing those things, you know. Sure. Maybe on a yearly, half-yearly basis, see where you're at and talk a little bit. I'm pretty sure you have another hundred stories we can talk about. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I had some more, but... <laughs> but let's, let's keep them for next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thanks All for right, the opportunity. Gary, you have a good day. Take care.